You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning. It's a real delight to be back with you in Bowness at Riverview Church. I don't know how long it is since I've last been with you, but I want to begin this morning by thanking the congregation and indeed Tom for the invitation to come along and just share with you from God's Word. This morning I'm going to be looking at biblical principles, applied or ignored, and I'll leave you to decide in your own hearts where you fit in with that statement. I suppose as all Christians we want to be known for applying biblical principles to our life seen as men and women of faith who live for God, who worship God in every area of our lives. When Paul writes to the church in Philippi, we read in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and we read this, it says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Powerful words. And the principle of partnership and prayer are evident not just in these verses but also in most of his other writings. It is these principles that I want to focus on this morning. As most will know that at MEF we are a, a mission organisation that is pretty much focused on partnership. But we work in partnership with in excess of 2,000 different organisations, many of whom are household names. But we also work with many individuals also supporting and encouraging and upholding through the practical application of faith, through our prayers. But incredibly, it's that partnership, that partnership in prayers and the practical application of our faith that can see people's lives touched and transformed, that can see people move from an aspect of darkness in their life into a relationship of tremendous light and brightness as Jesus is introduced to them. But this morning I want to really focus on the passage in Luke chapter 24 and the account of the Emmaus Road. Luke 24 beginning at 13 and we'll read the full account of this story. Now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Then some of her companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As he approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened in the way, and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. And we can be sure the Lord will add his blessing to the public reading of his holy scriptures. This passage could feed our Christian minds for weeks, if not months. It is full of Christian principles, but right at the beginning of this passage, on the same day as the, re uh, the resurrection, Cleopas and his companion, possibly his wife, we don't know, are walking and talking. Now that's a principle that we all employ in our lives, walking and talking in our daily routines. But the incredible thing is here that we see the principle of companionship. And it's important that we share life together. Life with all its ups and downs. And this is certainly in their eyes a definite down. As they walk and talk, they're found approximately seven miles from Jerusalem. And it's a fact that we'll come back to a little later this morning. But just at this point, Jesus enters the story. Jesus appears before them and asks. He asks them this question. What are you thinking? Well, strangely enough, they are kept from recognising Jesus, but we don't know the reason for this. But it could be that Jesus prevented recognition, or maybe their hearts were so broken at the loss of Jesus, they had simply just resigned their hearts to losing him. But all of a sudden, as they find Jesus in their midst, the dialogue extends between Cleopas and his companion to include Jesus. And as they employ this further biblical principle, they ask Jesus a key question. Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem in these days and don't know the things that have happened? There is an irony here that I'm sure is not lost on us today. Jerusalem was his mission, his destination, his ultimate goal, but graciously Jesus allows the conversation to continue. Because not only are these people here, Cleopas and his companion, employing conversation and walking together, they're now entertaining a stranger as Jesus walks along with them. But as they begin to unpack the story to Jesus, as they give their account of what had happened, we see that human principle employed once more, the blame game. 
Now, believe it or not, the blame game is actually part of biblical principles. I mean, we only have to go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had taken of the fruit and they wanted to blame one another, blame the serpent, rather than taking responsibility for their own actions. And, and there's many accounts in Scripture of individuals wanting to blame this, that, or the other. But when things go wrong, we today often avoid taking responsibility. We don't want to be seen wanting, so it's easier to point fingers, talk about others, a person blame and into the lives and the circumstances that other people find themselves in, rather than us taking that aspect of responsibility. But then all of a sudden, I suppose, this is the point in Scripture. If I had an opportunity in my life to, to go and personally visit, this would be the point. A personal Bible study with Jesus. And when you think about it, Jesus began teaching the two from Scriptures everything concerning himself. And I know that we've got biblical scholars and theologians, and even those people don't know everything that's contained in Scripture about Jesus. There are certain mysteries yet to be revealed. But what we do learn about this, well, I suppose we can study the Bible ourselves for a lifetime and still not recognise Jesus. We can have all the head knowledge we like and still not recognise Jesus. We can sit under the power and the authority of tremendous preachers and teachers and still not recognise Jesus. You see, we first need to hear about him. The Holy Spirit needs to convict our heart. And as we surrender our lives to him, it's then that we learn from him and of him. And this was exactly what was happening with Cleopas and his companion. As Jesus opened up these scriptures, everything about himself was revealed to them. And we're going to come back to that point also a little later. Then we see another biblical principle, another principle of offering a bed for the night. Hospitality, it's a wonderful way to get to know people better, to understand them, and of course they, you. It is a principle that the church indeed practices very well. If we know the Lord personally, there are then further blessings to be experienced. As we offer hospitality and break bread together, we may entertain angels without even knowing it. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 we read, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. What a visitor that must have been for the night. However, it wasn't as it seemed, because very shortly Jesus was going to depart from their presence. Hospitality includes meals. And at dinner time, the story begins to take a, a slightly different twist as many things all come into alignment. Almost a case of having all your ducks in a row. Jesus gave us the meal. Jesus gave the bread. Jesus was the bread of life. And as he was at this meal time, he was giving thanks. It's a principle that we do today that we practice it at mealtimes. It's almost as we give thanks for our meal that Jesus takes his place at the table 
with us. The Lord took the bread, gave thanks and served the two. Now we know that Jesus is the bread of life. But as Jesus broke the bread, there was recognition. Now was it when his hands broke the bread that their eyes were open? Did they lift it heavenwards to give thanks? Was there something else supernaturally happening? We don't know exactly. But just as quickly, Jesus left them. And as they sat together and recounted their journey, their discussions of how their hearts burned within them, you see, so much in this section, but let's for a moment consider this thought. As Cleopas and his companions spoke about the journey with Jesus in the road and when he opened the scriptures to them that their hearts were burning within them how many times have you been in church sitting under a powerful message an anointed man or woman of God opening up the scriptures and revealing some of the deep truths and the promises the sermon cuts right to the very core of your being you're convicted beyond measure your heart is on fire only to leave a short time later and resume the old principles of your life, re-engaging with the world and all that the world has got to offer. Unless we allow the Lord to expose himself to us through his word, through his guidance, through his people, we never grow as close to Jesus as we should. When our hearts are on fire, we need to convict ourselves to move deeper into a more intimate and personal relationship with Jesus and this is what was happening here with Cleopas and his companion because right at the beginning of this account of the Emmaus Road they were going the wrong way and incredibly in our lives we often choose to go the wrong way we choose to go away often of fewer obstacles and hurdles a road maybe with fewer disappointments it's an easier or an apparently easier route. But sometimes when we go the wrong way, we go because we've employed disappointment in our life. We hold a pity party for ourselves when things don't go the way that we had hoped. We walk in the opposite direction that Jesus had planned for our lives. Cleopas and his companion did exactly that. Jesus wanted them in Jerusalem, but because of the, the disappointment because of the blame that they wanted to apportion to the Jewish uh, leaders and rulers, that they didn't understand that Jesus was crucified just as much for their sin as your sin and as my sin. They didn't understand that Jesus had to suffer and that's why Jesus opened up the scriptures. They didn't understand why they had to be in Jerusalem. They just wanted to run and to flee. Maybe fearful that what had happened to Jesus might indeed happen to them. You know, Jesus knows the beginning and the end for your life. He knows every step in between. Let him guide you. Surrender your ego. And here's a little thing to help you understand what ego is. Ego is E-G-O edging God out and Cleopas and his companion were certainly guilty of that in the earlier part of this particular story we need to set aside our earthly desires 
and experience the wonders that Jesus has in store for us, for you and indeed for me. So just as they broke bread and their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus, Jesus disappeared from their sight. And because of that conviction in their heart, because of the recognition of the Messiah, because they had seen the, the bread been broken and maybe they had seen the nail-pierced hands, they believed that they should return at once to Jerusalem. And immediately they turned and headed back in that direction. They found the others. And as they found their others, they began their account of their journey that day. They unpacked every aspect of it. They, in essence, became witnesses for Jesus. But why did Jesus chase them along the Emmaus Road? Why did Jesus want them back in Jerusalem? Well, there are various accounts, and I'm just going to focus on Luke's Gospel for this. Why was it so important that Jesus would get them back to Jerusalem? In Luke chapter 9 and verse 31, as they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfilment at Jerusalem. It was important for Jesus to be in Jerusalem. Luke 9 and 51. At that time, uh, sorry, as that time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Again in Luke 9 and 53. But the people, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Luke 13 and 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Luke 13 and 33. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Luke 17 and 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Luke 18 and 31. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Luke 19 and 11. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Luke 19 and 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. It was important for Jesus to head towards Jerusalem. It's important for the disciples who had been commanded by Jesus to go to Jerusalem. And if we'll go back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and reading from verse 44 through to the end of verse 49, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The repentance, the, the, the repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, there's a promise 
for us to be exactly where Jesus wants us to be. If we, like the disciples, want to experience the full blessing of everything that Jesus has in store for us, then we need to be where he is. We need to be working together in partnership, supporting whether it's Clear Plus and his companion, or the 11 disciples, or the church at Riverview here in, in Bones. We have to understand that we are called to work together. Work together in mission, work together in prayer, work together in outreach. But only if we are in exactly the position that God wants us to be. So, if we look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 through to the, the end of verse 8, we read this. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised you with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So then you. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the day. The Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we want to be partners in the gospel with Jesus, and just as we read in Philippi when, when Paul spoke about being partners together in the gospel and in prayer, if we want to be in partnership, then we need to be on the same road as him. We need to be in the place he told us to be. We need to wait for his promises to be fulfilled. And today the question is, where is your Jerusalem? Are you on that road with Jesus? Are you moving in the opposite direction? Are you heading away towards Emmaus rather than staying in your Jerusalem? God himself will place in your heart where your Jerusalem is. And as we began looking at Philippians chapter 1 this morning, we are not just partners in the gospel with each other. We are partners with Christ himself. Filled with the spirit growing in our faith and praying for each other in the work of the gospel. So, are you prayerfully considering where your Jerusalem is? Are you focused on the plan that Jesus has for your life? Are you supporting and encouraging one another in prayer? Are you working in partnership in the work of the gospel? Well, only you will know that. I would encourage you to continue to, to flourish in bonus, meeting regularly together in prayer, and indeed mission, reaching into the hearts of the lost, seeing lives touched and transformed, seeing people's eternal destinies changed from one of darkness and despair and separation from Christ. One, and taking them into a wonderful personal relationship with the Creator God that was purchased at such a price on Calvary's cross. That's the road you want to be on. Be on the road with Jesus. Now I do look forward to being with you a little later this evening through your prayer and, and worship ministry time. Um, if you want to know anything more about MEF at this time, please do visit our website www.mef-uk.org 
forward slash discover and I'm sure that you will find a whole range of interesting and encouraging articles and videos, stories that will bring such joy to your heart, stories of people's lives been transformed and turned from their own personal Emmaus escape as Jesus touches their life and brings them back to their own Jerusalem, a Jerusalem of understanding and peace. So let's pray together as we close. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the power and the authority of your Holy Scriptures. We pray that what's been said and done at this time would bring eternal glory to your name. We pray also, Father God, for those who are watching and listening, that their hearts will be touched, that their hearts will be in fire, that we want to reach into a deeper, more meaningful relationship with yourself. So at this time, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time we're able to spend together. And we pray, Father God, that you will go with us at this time, at this day, as we live our lives for your glory. Hear our prayers and answer them in accordance with your will and purpose. Amen. Well, Tom, thank you. Thank you to everyone at Boness Riverview Church. Take care until we speak again later. Bye-bye just now.